Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Up next on Inside the SCCA, car culture versus car competitor. Welcome to Inside the SCCA. Today's episode is a little different than our normal fare. I was fortunate to be asked to host three sessions in this year's SCCA National Convention, and I'm very happy to be able to share them with you. Here is one of those sessions. This is SCCA Connect 2022, the club's second virtual convention. This session is Car Culture versus Car Competitors, presented by the Inside the SCCA podcast. I'm Brian Belansky, host of Inside the SCCA, and I'm really excited that I was asked to lend my thoughts to a couple of panel discussions. This is the first of those discussions. Before we get started, I was able to go through the list of people who have entered or, or registered for the convention, and I went page after page after page, saw a lot of names that I recognized, many old friends, uh, some new friends I've made since I started the podcast, also some folks I looked up to. I look up to, literally, I would go to the, the results on the weekend and I'd see my name, and then I would look up and see all these other people above me on the qualifying or the race results, so literally people I've looked up to for years. Uh, I, I'm just looking forward to this discussion. It's going to be a lot of fun. Let's get to why we're here. Joining me this evening, Mike Cobb. He's the president of the SCCA. Before taking the job of leading the club's national staff in Topeka, he was the chief marketing officer at Gold's Gym. He was also the marketing on the marketing teams of Pizza Hut, Burger King, Pepsi, and a bunch of other big brands that you would know. He began his career uh, racing, a Texas winning a Texas soapbox derby event. <laughs> And then he competed at the Soapbox Derby Nationals. That's beyond cool. Uh, from there, he won the Texas Region Autocrest Novice of the Year Award, and he competed at the SCCA Tire Rack Solo Nationals. We're also fortunate to have with us Mikhail Haggerty. Mikhail is the CEO of Haggerty Insurance, a company started by his parents. Haggerty is the world's largest provider of specialty insurance for car collector enthusiasts. The company also provides insurance for track events for many uh, that many of our members participate in. This is my one of my favorite stories. McKeel's first car, a 67 Porsche 911 S that he bought when he was 13 years old, and he restored it himself. He's also the, uh, in 2014, he was presented with the Nicola uh, Bulgari Award for from America's Car Museum for the outstanding contributions to preserving cars through education, restoration, and collecting. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Good to be here. Great to be here. Mike, so, good to see you. It's good to see both of you, and I really appreciate you taking the time, Mikhail, to join us here. So this this whole thing, uh, the, the the premise of this this session is car culture versus car, car competitor, almost as if they're different things, and I don't think they are. I'm not. I just want. I wanted to kind of get your thoughts, both of you, on whether or not car culture people and car competitors are are, are different types of people. Sounds like fun. <laughs> who wants to start let's start with mike yes yeah i i think there's more alike in that uh versus unlike in that dna just my my opinion um you know i i think um just looking at things through a, an scca lens we've got folks who participate as enthusiasm enthusiasts on the continuum of the you know the high end of sprint racing scca national championship scca runoffs on one end and then we've got folks who um, who are on maybe a different spectrum, maybe on a little bit different point in the continuum, who uh, their exercise of their audio enthusiast nature is really tied to maybe something less wheel to wheel oriented like road rally, um, you know, whether it's time, speed, distance or some of the other uh, novelty kind of rallies that are done. But I think the, the common thread there is to me is it's tied to um, Folks who are somewhat like-minded in terms of their passions, right? The end game uh, is tied to something automotive. Um, and it's also tied to experience, which is in, in, in this day and age where we're all struggling to connect uh, for a host of different reasons. 
Uh, in fact, we're connecting virtually right now, which is great, but sometimes, you know, it's, well, that's great. It's not as good sometimes as one-on-one face-to-face. I, I think the whole connection piece is really mission critical for us um, on the Haggerty side, as well as the SECA side, regardless of where other folks are on the pointy end of the competitive spectrum, on the on the more relaxed enthusiast uh, end of the spectrum. I mean, uh, as a mid-pack hack, when I compete, I'm just happy to be there. I'm happy to be there with and see uh, be surrounded by folks who have so much more talent, experience, and knowledge than I. And it's just uh, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I you know, Mike as always is uh, you know incredibly eloquent. You, he lives this life uh, each and every day, and and I do too. And in, in the other side of it, and I think that uh, that it's whether you express it as a continuum or just different maybe dimensions of how people think about their automotive world, um, they're absolutely connected. Uh, and you think of someone who has never set foot on a racetrack, but they own a number of race cars, or you think of somebody who uh, would never uh, compete in any way with their hands on a steering wheel, and yet their heroes are some of the greatest drivers of all time. Um, they're absolutely connected, you know, that, that it, remember that the cool thing about the car world is it's this connection between a human being and a machine and whether it's ultimate fastest time around a lap or to beat someone else, or whether it's just, you know, playing up in some of those other dimensions, they're, they're absolutely connected. It's not for everyone racing, you know, and I'm sure we're going to get into it further is really intimidating to some, but so is collecting. I mean, so is swinging your hand around in an auction if there's a lot of money at, at, at stake. Like, you know, you, there, it requires expertise and there's a, there's a whole ecosystem that surrounds it, but they're absolutely connected. And, uh, you know, we, we don't need to put them in, in uh, two completely different camps. So for, for many, many years, the SECA was mostly about competition whether it be road racing whether it be autocross whether it be rally and and in the last decade maybe 15 years there's been more of a shift not even a shift but an openness in the club to bring on some of these more experiential type things and that's kind of where i i kind of felt the Haggerty seca connection came together and i'm always trying to find out how we can learn from people who are in other parts of the industry so i guess my question would be mckeel what are the things that you've learned through your stuff with the car collectors that we can take advantage of and and, and learn from with our, our groups of people? Well, you know, first, a lot of collectors are, are racers um, and a lot of racers have cars that they drive and, uh, you know, on the, on public roads to go get ice cream or to um, express themselves. Uh, so again, kind of in that, in the vein of um, that being a continuum. I mean, I think one of the really obvious things that I'm seeing, and I, I know Mike and, and everybody in the SCCA is seeing is, is that, um, you know, we're in a golden age of modern car performance. Like, and if you don't see it, it's, it's very different. You know, you go back just a couple of decades ago to prepare a car to go out and race or to do a track day or whatever, you know, it was a much more serious affair. Well, you can take a brand new Hyundai <laughs> right off of a lot and you could wax my 67 911S, which I still own, by the way. I still have that car. Um, and like, no problem. Uh, right. Hyundai, Kia, you name it. Pick pick whatever car you think. Like the braking is good. They're safe. They've got a lot of performance. Their transmissions are fantastic. Like you don't, you need zero prep whatsoever. I mean, you might need to think for one second what kind of tires it has on it. But we live in this golden age of performance. And I'm talking about kind of just entry-level cars. Mm-hmm. Well, now pick a new Corvette or pick an MX-5 or pick whatever, a Camaro, a Porsche, any Porsche. Um, whether it's an SUV or not. I mean, those would have been seriously competent race cars um, not that long ago. And there is not a public road that you can test them in any way, safely, legally, anything. Um, so, you know, the old days of people doing road tests, journalists doing road tests and doing all sorts of crazy stuff on public roads. I mean, you have to go into a track environment and then you, hopefully you have elevated skills. You're willing to go to, you're willing to go to driving schools. You're willing to take instruction. So, what I see is actually this maybe a new golden age where you can take a regular everyday car, you can go out there and, and, and really experience the more of a limit of performance, but you do it in a safe environment, which is in a track, maybe with instruction, with, you know, with uh, all the stuff that the SCCA champions. And that's why we wanted to get involved, because we were seeing this kind of a new it's a new era. 
fewer people maybe racing in the way that they used to or think about racing, but a lot of people still interested in performance. And what did COVID teach us? And that is that people are making choices about how they really want to spend time, really want to spend time, not sitting in traffic, not sitting in an office, whether they go camping or fishing or whatever. We know the car people out there want to go spend time in cars. And hopefully that means on a cool track or at a great track event somewhere. They also are deciding who they want to spend time with. And they want to spend time with like-minded people doing like-minded things. And that is, again, where the car enthusiast car people get together, whether it be at a, a Button Willow or Road America or, or wherever, or at uh, a Concord car show. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I love that idea. So so how do we all tap into this enthusiast space better, Mike? Well, I think a a lot of it's tied to lowering access barriers, or at least that's kind of what we're trying to do. I mean, I give you, you're, you're probably pretty fluent with this already, but the, the whole track night in America uh, program was really about lowering the barrier for access, getting enthusiasts who just um, maybe they have uh, to McKeel's point, maybe they have a a Hyundai, maybe they have a Kia, maybe they have a a Lexus, maybe they have a, a Corvette. It doesn't matter what they have. Um, I just showed a picture in my general session of a track night um, in America where we've got a Honda Ridgeline in front of a, a Corvette C7. I'm sure the Corvette driver wasn't real happy with that, but I'm happy with that. Well, why are you happy with that, Mike? Because because it's creating access for people. It's not, um, there are spaces in the SCCA where if you don't have the right car, you don't have the right skill set, you don't have the right pedigree, then you'll be like Mike Cobb and you'll be DFL, right? Um, but there are places where uh, folks with just uh, zero experience can play and learn and grow and connect with fellow enthusiasts. And there are places that are a little bit more, dare I say the word, more aggressive or more competitive than that, if that's where you want to go with it. And I think, you know, one of the cool things about track night for us, we just hit uh, midsummer last year, we hit our 50,000th participant. Wow. So it kind of tells me a little bit about the efficacy of a program. If you go from zero to 50,000 participants um, in less than five years, there, there's something going on inside that that's attractive to to folks. Um, and by the way, through that, we found that two thirds of the folks who were participating in track night weren't tra- traditional SCCA suspect or prospect, right? We actually did something that was actually, um, I mean, almost uh, uh, something we'd never done before. We actually allowed people who weren't members to come play with us. Um, there you go. You know, and, and people said, well, that's not what we should do. And it's exactly what we should do. We need to have more outreach, more access, lower the barriers of entry. And then when we get those folks there, just give them the best experience that we can provide them. And, and it really is about, to me, meeting people where they are. I mean, having driver coaches, when you, when you go to a track night, for example, you're not classed by car. You're classed by your experience level. Are you a novice? Are you, uh, you know, um, a competitor? I mean, where are you in that continuum of experience? And so for me, I just run novice or intermediate. Why? Um, I don't want to be a hazard on the track. I also don't want to be a liability to Sports Car Club America and be front page news. And selfishly, I love the coaches. You know, the coaches, I can connect and relate to a coach who's talking to me more in a um, non-late tailbreaking kind of vernacular um, than someone who is. I mean, that's for somebody who's more accomplished than I am in a car. And so I think I think that's, is that the only answer? No, it's not the only answer, but I think it's part of the answer through programs is to, is to really open it up, know who your audience is and adjust your experience to your audience. And just giving folks a place for, there's folks who want to recreate and there's folks who want to compete. And um, we can't be all things to all people, but we need to be, um, uh, we need to be intentional in program design and execution, knowing that there's a difference. Well, and, and I wouldn't just, I love your, your, your language around lowering the barriers to entry. And that's what you know, we, I think we're trying to be all about everything that we're doing at Haggerty, which is n- no one should be intimidated by any car ever, um, but recognize that when certain cars or certain circumstances demand your respect, you know, I think there's so much about, especially serious wheel to wheel racing at the, at the top level, like the runoffs or certainly in professional racing. And then you look at the, 
performance capability of just of a modern sports car off the showroom floor. Uh, there's actually a very well-known collector who does a lot of racing and done it at all levels who said to me, he said, look, the, the, the performance envelope of a modern like Corvette mm -hmm. or Turbo S or Porsche GT3 or McLaren or something, it's so far out there, so far beyond the capability of the average, even really good driver to get it to its edge. Just remember, that's kind of intimidating to a lot mm -hmm. of people and just have some compassion and recognize you need to lower the barrier to entry. And uh, I think you guys, we were collectively coming up with some some great ways to bring people in that they have fun. I, I, sometimes I think we need to take more of the approach culturally like they do in the UK, which is like everyday people will go out in their Volvo and do a race on a Saturday, <laughs> you know, yes. slap a number on the side and they'll go do a race. It's, it's just kind of, oh, it, it was just a good Saturday. Why not? Right. Yeah. right. Absolutely. From the chat, Kevin Carter said, bring them in, treat them fantastic, and they will come back. Which That's is, right. you know, preach it, preach it. Amen. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. If you have any questions, put them in the chat. We'll get to a couple of them as we go along here. So it, what's I also think what's interesting about tying the two together, and, and maybe this has been part of why track night has gotten to 50,000 participants and other things, is now there is an opportunity for people to protect their investment and go and do these things. Mm -hmm. So. And, and and this is, I, I don't know how long Haggerty's been doing this with the SCCA, but w what was your light bulb moment that said, let's try to figure out a way to do this so that people can take their Hyundai or their, you know, XJ Jag and do a track of it? It's been, you know, really natural from the beginning of the business that we've always embraced these sort of things. I know I when I was young, I used to go to PCA events with my dad. Um, you know, we went to a few SCCA driving events. I went to a bunch of schools and it was just, you felt welcome. And I knew that we needed to create that little bit of imprimatur uh, protection that people that felt like they, if, if they were in a safe environment, that they weren't um, completely at risk if something goes wrong and things yeah. can go wrong. We know it. Um, but the idea is really to champion the idea that it, driving is a, it's a continuum of skill and you never get to, no one will ever get to the top, top, top because you know, they're all legendary, you know, handful of people, but you, you can actually improve yourself. And so for us, we took very much this human element, which is let's get better at this together. Uh, let's appreciate good driving. Let's put fast driving where it needs to be, which is on a racetrack uh, or in some sort of closed course environment. Uh, so it's been very, very natural uh, thing and very natural partnership. We're just thrilled with it. Yeah. So real quick, how does Hagrid's products help? hands on uh, help enable people get on the track well again i think it's just you know removing that fear that you know you're you're totally uh screwed if something goes wrong i'll never forget the first pca event i went to my i was in my 67s i think i was 17 years old uh, my dad was in we had a 76 930 that was a gray market like over turbocharged four-speed car that was completely terrifying when the boost came on we went to a pca event and I remember signing this waiver and I'm my dad, I'm like, what does this mean? And while well, he said, if you read it, it means if you crash your car, you pay for it. If you crash somebody else's car, you pay for that too. And if you hurt anything on the track, you're paying for that too. So it was like completely obvious, like don't mess up. And I remember thinking to myself, well, I don't, I, I didn't know the eight tenths, nine tenths, 10 tenths uh, thing back then, but I knew like, I better keep myself in control. Now, driving a 67S, of course, that first day, it meant that, of course, I was going to swap ends a few times on that car because I, I wasn't quite sure what don't lift means, uh, you know, when you're heading into <laughs> a diminishing radius turn in an old car. But, you know, I think that that's the idea, right? Take Just take that little bit of fear away from it. Put your hands in an instructor who can help you. And uh, it, it works really well for, for everyone. So we're, we're thrilled this could be. And I can tell you, um, our experience from a, in a loss standpoint, if you will, at SCCA events has been phenomenal. And I think it's just credit to the organization. It's credit to the honoring of better skilled driving and everything, everything about the SCCA. It's about making people better behind the wheel. Couple of questions, or one of the things that came up from the chat here. Paul asked, he uh, takes his car to some Seacoast Cars and Coffee events in New Hampshire. It's a rallycross car, and he always gets people asking him and 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 being surprised that they could do this kind of thing. So, 
and and the question was, has SCCA ever considered like a regional street team to go to events that are non-SCCA events and put up a tent and talk about what we do? Does that make sense, Michael? Yeah, I, I think it does. You know, we work through 115 regions across the country, and those are the really those folks are really boots on the ground with regard to doing a lot of the local uh, local work, local events, local. They uh, pretty much every region uh, does. Um, one or many uh, local car shows, if not on their own, certainly participatory with other clubs, other marks, and local markets as well. Um, but that's a great way to, again, it's all about access once again, right? It's a great way to access other folks. And to do it, I mean, in that kind of venue, it's, it's really, it's not competitive at all. It's really more a venue around celebrating the art of the car. And, um, and you know, we've got, we've got folks that... Um, you know, come in and out of the club all the time that, um, you know, maybe they're in a period where they've had a transition, they don't have the car they used to have, or they don't have a competitive car right now, they'll, they'll either come to those kind of venues, get a, a, a co-ride or meet up with somebody, invite them and uh, to introduce them to the SCCA experience. But um, the, the real point is, um, I think once you've uh, been bitten by the bug, whether you have the dream car sitting in your driveway that you want to go participate with, or you're living vicariously through others at a cars and coffee to do that. Um, you know, I think I, those are all our folks to me. And that's why I think there's such great, um, great efficacy in the Haggerty SCCA relationship is because the first time I met uh, McKeel, um, I met him with Hayward Wagner and, and Brian has interviewed Hayward and McKeel knows Hayward. He's very passionate. He's very Gregarious. I th we've teased him all, all the time about, you know, dude, if you want to make seven digits, you should so go sell for private equity um, because he's a consummate sales guy as well. And uh, careful um, how you say that. I just want to take a word. Hey, buddy. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I mean, Hayward, I don't know if McKeel knows this, but, uh, you know, I was ready. To, I was ready to do a deal. I was ready to close the deal with, with McKeel. Uh, he had me at hello. And Hayward was saying, you know, kicking me under the table, saying, no, we need to you know, slow your roll. We've got to we've got to get you know, we've got to talk about what we want to do and in terms and all this stuff. I'm like, man, man, we're 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 connected at the DNA level right out of the gate. Let's go. So, you know, sometimes in life, um, it's rare, but sometimes you find partners who have that kind of union, union and intersection of what their, what their purpose is and what they're about and, you know, their why, if you will. And I, I think there's a lot of shared overlap between us, and it just makes a lot of things um, happen pretty naturally. So I have a challenge. Well, I have a challenge. You tell me if you think I'm crazy here. What if, you know, and I get it for, a, you know, for a serious racer who wants to be spending their Saturday on a track somewhere, getting faster or racing somebody. What if once a year you challenge, you know, every chapter to get at least one car with a bunch of stickers and a roll cage in it to a cars and coffee locally yeah. and just say like, go out there to the car. Don't wait for the collectors to come to the racing world. Take it to them. Get some of the racers to the cars and coffee world and say like, just bring a car all fully stickered up with scuff marks on it and everything and show show the person that may have, you know, maybe intimidated by the track. I cannot emphasize enough. Yeah. There are an awful lot of serious car people that are intimidated by track environments. They didn't grow up in it. They have a hard time bridging the gap. It's like fishing. You know, they're like, we lost a whole generation of people who are, who used to fish and now they're, they, they stare at the water and they look at all the stuff <laughs> I don't and, know how to do and they it. don't know what to do. You yeah. gotta go make it happen. So. Yeah. No, that's great. That's a great, a great ask. So one time, mind. once per year, every chapter to a like coffee. I like it. It's part of your I, charter process. That's right. <laughs> there you go. Bruce sends the question, how does SCCA feel about partnering with other organizations at events? Where typically it's only an SCCA event. We don't, you know, when you go to a, a pro race, let's say you go to an IndyCar race at Long Beach, right. IndyCar partners with IMSA, there might yeah. be there might be a World Challenge race. So the question I think is, you know, what would it, what would the thought process be of bringing some other organizations in to do a joint weekend event with us? I think it's a great question. Uh, we do a shade of that already. Uh, for example, our F4 and F, uh, FR series that runs with SECA Pro, that actually runs on the SVR, SVRA um, Speed Tour weekend. 
uh, with Trans Am and with SVRA sometimes as well. So, um, you know, e uh, executive summary and that, through that lens, we're partnered with Pirelli Motorsports Holdings to uh, kind of run joint events. On the time trials program, we actually do run some shared events with Global Time Attack and Super Lap Battle. So I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes in the sanctioning body world, sometimes we're uh, what I call frenemies, meaning uh, we we can partner together, but then, you know, the, on, on any given weekend, we compete head to head with one another as well. So um, I'm open to that because I don't think it's a static environment. I think that environment is actually somewhat porous, depending upon what uh, vertical and discipline you're talking about from a sanctioning body standpoint. So I'm open to doing that. I mean, Straight up, when we do things with, um, you know, the, the super lap battle folks, um, there's two different audiences getting a chance to mingle and meet one another. And it's just a higher tide that floats more boats beyond the selfish benefit of just amortizing fixed costs, right? So um, I'm, I, I, believe that, uh, I believe that's a big opportunity for us. You know, if to that point, we did a, 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 a segment that's going to be later in the convention with... Uh, with uh, the president of, of IMSA about how the organizations work together. And, you know, he's the former head of Mazda, and we know the, the relationship between Mazda and the SECA. So it is something that I think the, the club's talking more about, and, and I think that's fantastic. I'm Dorsey Schrader, and when I'm on my way to embrace, I'll listen to the SECA podcast inside the short bus. When I need numbers for my autocross time trial or road race car, I go to autocrossdigits.com. Christian and his crew offer top quality magnetic and vinyl numbers. Their website is easy to navigate. The prices are great and most orders ship in four business days. If you need numbers for your car, check out autocrossdigits.com. Tell them the podcast guy sent you. Here's a question, and I love this one. When can we get McKeel into a time trial? We could support a CEO challenge in 2022. It would be great to get all of the partners, CEOs, at one event and do a CEO challenge. That would be fun. Let's do it in the fall. It doesn't Let's have do to be. Does how much of a challenge does it have to be? I think Mike well, would take I, me. I think I know where that question came from uh, because I think it came from a stat, SCCA staffer who challenged me at the SCCA Solo Nationals at Lincoln. And just while I've got a, a, a bully pulpit, let me share that he did beat me one day, but I beat him the other day. So it, it, we both had to buy each other a beer. But I would absolutely be down for that. Love it. Sounds like fun. Let's just so, make sure it's not Sebring at sundown, because driving <laughs> into 17 with that sun in your eyes, it's a scary thing for me, no matter how many times I get on that track. Uh, going through the chat, it looks like the, a lot of regions are trying to do that outreach that we've been talking right. about. I see Atlanta region, Detroit region, you know, and it does take effort. I've been involved with lots of different regions over the years, and some do that better than others. But it really, I think, does uh, does help a lot. And and here's the question I have, and, and this is interesting for you, Mikhail, because I'm going to guess that a lot of your collector car enthusiasts uh, might be a little of the older set. And we're trying to attract some of the younger set because there is the graying of the club. You know, what is the social media uh, presence of like a Haggerty or through the collective car set? And I, I feel like that that's a place where the club could really spend some more time and some efforts to, to bring in some folks in, in that area as well. Well, you know, more than a quarter, you know, we're a public company now. So I'm, everything I'm saying is like out there um, is we had more um, almost a quarter million new members join us this year. And uh, more than 50% of them were born after 1965, which makes them millennials or makes them Gen Xers or younger. So I was, I'm an older Gen Xer right on the cusp at 54 uh, now this year. So the generation is actually turning over um, a big part of what's a challenge for the next gen to get in the car world has been economic. All of the statistics around the young people not liking cars, you had two headwinds that they were facing. One is, you know, pre-COVID, people were moving to cities. Young people leave college. They don't go to the country to find themselves like I did. You know, you don't you don't go to a misty mountaintop. You go to a city to find yourself. So urbanization was a real thing. People were moving to cities. You live in Manhattan. It's the last place you want to be driving a car. Right. Uh, the other thing is economic. 
the post-economic crisis, young people were moving home with their parents. It was tough to afford anything, let alone an extra car, let alone a fun car. But, you know, fast forward a decade and, you know, the oldest millennials are turning 40. They're making real money. Uh, they're, you know, they have kids growing up, that sort of thing. And they're buying cars. They, they really are. But they're buying newer cars. Um, they're buying some of these, you know, later model uh, sports and performance cars. And, and that's the next gen. So, yes, there's absolutely was an older generation of collector. We love them. Hope they live forever. Uh, but the next gen is coming on and they're just interested in a slightly different set of, of types of vehicles. And it, you know, broadly speaking, again, sports cars or SUVs. So, you know, the off-road crowd is it's seeing also a new a new renewal. And, you know, I think actually a, a big on-ramp uh, for people interested in track driving is that, you know, so many of these off-road vehicles, you know, call them the side-by-sides, call them whatever, they give you a, a performance track-like driving experience, but that you can just go out on state land or wherever and go have a great time. And I think what you got to do is think about these bridges. What are the bridges to bring people into you know, the type of thing. I have one of those, I have a Polaris Razor and it's, you know, 120 horsepower. It goes like crazy. It's so much fun. You fling it into a corner and you feel like an absolute hero. What we got to do is say like, okay, let's translate that into a MX-5. Let's put you on a track and let's, and let's show you how to carry momentum through a corner. Uh, you know, and I think that's our world. And it's, it's actually the bridges, the, the bridges will build themselves. You just have to be open to using different language, different types of vehicles and, and, and bring them in. And just, again, I, my overall caveat to the whole group is the world, the core world of the SCCA and especially, you know, kind of wheel to wheel racing, is just intimidating to people. And let's, let's lower the barrier to entry. Let's make it fun. You know, you mentioned intimidating several times and I just had a question in the chat, which I think is really an interesting idea is for those who might be intimidated by going to a track uh, on, and get on the track, the club has lots of volunteer opportunities to be at the racetrack and be involved with the cars. How do we attract these enthusiasts who might be intimidated into the idea that they can come and work at an event, volunteer, and then maybe they'll realize that it's, or, or the intimidation factor will go down a little bit. Well, yeah. bring a friend, right? You know, I'm yeah. sure that Absolutely. you guys know it. I mean, bring a friend, volunteer, <clears throat> think about standing behind somebody who's working a corner. I mean, I'm, Let's be totally honest. The secret sauce, the amazing underbelly of of the SCCA is that you've trained the best corner workers, you've trained the best starters, you've trained the best volunteers. I couldn't even believe it going to the runoffs a couple of years, you know, with Michael here, and and you know we worked a corner together. Um, it was super exciting. Can't remember what region all of our friends were from there, but um, you know, I realized it takes 150 people to run a single grid at the at the runoffs or whatever. 154, I think it was you know, that particular day, it was fun. We just had a blast being out there with those people. It was a lot of spirit. It was, it was really awesome. So, you know, my, my thing always, whether you're going to a car show, whether you're going to a car race, whether you're going to whatever is bring a friend and bring kids, you know, because you never know which kid is going to be, you know, is going to get that, you know, little bite, that little, you know, trigger, and someday they're going to want to do that and yeah. never, ever, ever, you know, just let a kid sit on the sidelines. You know, when you get back into the pits, put the kid in the driver's seat, say, sit here. You know, that's the big, that's the biggest problem with the show car people is that they don't want kids around their cars sometimes. Right. And I'm like, seriously, that you can wipe the fingerprints off the car. Uh, it does not matter. The, the blade of grass will be fine off the off the floor mat it's their kids right. let them honk the horn <laughs> it's <laughs> okay the car will be fine <laughs> absolutely well you know brian let me build on that if i may you you mentioned um the, the president of imsa john Doonan. you know john's a long time scca member and he's just a world-class guy period but uh we entered into a, a partnership relationship with imsa uh, a couple of years ago with the specific purpose of trying to create the next generation of workers. I mean, yes, would we love to have the next generation of drivers? Absolutely. But really, um, you know, the SECA care and feeds and supports uh, not only IMSA, but NASCAR, IndyCar, you know, every um, FIA national champ for, uh, championships when they come to North America, whether that's Formula E, whether it's F1, it doesn't matter. So we have to, uh, I think your question is a really big, important one um, that we haven't cracked the, the nut on yet. We need to find a 
track night, lower the barrier of access kind of uh, formula uh, or secret sauce, if you will, for attracting that next generation of multidiscipline workers. I mean, I myself, I, when I, because I'm not a national caliber road race driver, I, I love it. I just love being there. I love the sight, sound, the motion. I have friends who are lights out drivers. I just love being around them. But when I go do things, um, whether it's at a regional event or whether it's at a, a super tour event or even the, the runoffs, like Nikhil said, I just want to get as close to an apex as I can. For me, um, <laughs> they don't want me driving that apex, but I can work that apex right? And I can get with a team of F and C folks, which is typically my chosen discipline because I'm, I'm a little dangerous and unwieldy in timing and scoring. That's where you need to have really, really, uh, really astute professionals, not necessarily my, uh, my towering strength in that area. But um, yeah, I mean, I love getting out there. I love, I love being the communications line to a driver. Um, you know, I'll never forget, I had the chance to work Sebring, um, actually not our event, um, as a volunteer, the 12 hour at Sebring. And one of the coolest memories I have of working, um, is that it was sunrise at Sebring, which is an awe-inspiring site, depending on the weather, number one. And number two, the sun was coming up and the drivers were looking for you as their communication device about what was going on on the track in front of them. And I don't know, that might not float anybody's boat, but mine. But I think there's more people out there who, who, who might think, you know, or say, well, to McKeel's point, man, that is competitive. That's probably way above my pay grade. But there's something attractive about that experience that I'd like to sink my teeth into a little bit deeper. Um, and we've got to find a way to access those folks who want to be on the other side of the fence, whether it's in grid, whether it's in timing and scoring, whether it's working F and C. Um, we got to find the next generation of workers, just like we got to find the next generation of drivers. So um, excellent challenge. And I've got to shake my friend, Mr. Doonan upside down for some additional program support, because just like you were saying, Hey, use those car, um, those local cars and coffees as a recruiting tool for the club, which we absolutely should. I want to use every IMSA event as a recruiting tool for the club and for workers. Well, let's, let, let's build on it for one second though. I mean, one of the biggest on-ramps for young, younger people to get involved with racing at all is going to be through some video gaming platform. And I think that, you know, I think every region probably should be doing some, uh, you know, youth programs with kids and, and console, whether it's, con you don't have to do big simulators, just go buy, uh, you know, whether you like, I'm a Gran Turismo fan, um, you know, whether you like, uh, Forza, whatever, and just make it fun, make it accessible and lower the bar to entry. I mean, if for, for just for point of reference, both of those racing platforms have more than 10 million people on them globally. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. That is actually where young people are learning more about cars, whether they're vintage or newer or fantasy cars that don't exist. And we shouldn't put them in some other category. It's just a path. It's a, it is a on-ramp to entry and, you know, probably honoring that, you know, if you're a business person, put one of those things in your lunchroom, let people use them around the car world. If, you know, you're a region, you probably should be having your Christmas party with you know, young people driving those things all day long. Because, by the way, they're going to beat you all yes. day long Yeah, driving one of those. Yeah, they're we have some regions who are pretty strong in iRacing. In fact, that's that's one way we made it through COVID, right, yeah. um, is set up our virtual uh, SCCA national championship runoffs and or, awesome. you know, in the regions, a lot of the regions were actually, uh, are actually further ahead, uh, than us nationally. And so we, we partnered with them and, uh, stood up some programs and yeah, folks were driving their Sims because they couldn't get the, you know, they couldn't get out and drive at the track. They're so good. It's crazy how good they are too. So, <laughs> well, and, and, and we talked to John Dunan about that and, and helping us with outreach and putting up a booth or a, t a 10 by 10 at the MC events, but any event that SCCA supports with workers should be part of the deal to have uh, a 10 by 10 and we shouldn't have to pay for it. I know that there have been some clubs who said the regions who said, well, you know, we do this race and either the track or the sanctioning body that we're supporting wants to charge us for a place in the paddock. That's, in my opinion, ridiculous. We should say, if we're going to help you support your events because you can't do them without us, then we need a, it's just a little spot that we can do our thing. So I, I think that's fantastic. And I also think that we are our best preachers. We're all on social media. We're mm -hmm. all on Facebook and Twitter and Insta and all in the TikTok and all this kind of stuff. When we're at the racetrack, do social media. 
you know, when we get home from the racetrack, I, I always post, I'm on my way to Button Willow or I'm on my way to Willow Springs. And, 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 and we are our best, our best advertisers. And we oh, I mean, well Mike and I are all over TikTok and we rock TikTok. <laughs> I, I sense I that. I just want to say it. I mean, it is. <laughs> Do you rock TikTok? I'm not really sure, but I just want to say I'm that. only allowed to, to get on Insta. That's about it. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my my sixteen year old. When I call it talk tick, she shakes her head at me. So oh, I'm sure, well, that's shameful. It's it, is. Shameful. Yes. it is. Blasphemy. It is shameful. <laughs> you know. So here's the thing that I I find interesting, and this is another question that we got from the chat. the 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 world of automotive is changing. Mm. You know, in ten years, I'm guessing, or maybe fifteen years, I don't know that you'll be able to 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 buy a car with a traditional combustion motor. Right now it's even hard to buy a car with a stick shift Mm -hmm. today. Uh, Electric is coming. Alternative power is coming. Millennials are going to be driving different cars. So what does that mean for both the SCCA and for Haggerty, let's say five or 10 years down the road? Yeah, I think, I think for the SCCA, what it means is, um, you know, we're behind already with regard to um, being more aggressive with asking that EV and hybrid community to join us uh, for events. Now we've had, on the solo side of things, we have a ton of uh, Teslas. Uh, we actually had a, um, a Tesla win uh, B Street National Championship in solo, I believe, a, a couple of years ago. Um, I mean, there's nothing like instantaneous torque to get you around a cone pretty quick, right? So um, they're, um, they're, uh, they're, they're out there and fairly prevalent on the solo scene. When you get into a wheel-to-wheel environment, candidly, we've been catching up on some of the safety things related to running uh, EVs. Um, you know, with regard to fire safety and, um, uh, and just how to train our rank and file on how to approach them and approach them uh, consistent in a consistent manner and safe manner, et cetera. But I do think that, uh, I mean, you know, obviously hybrids, uh, that's where, um, you know, the FIA is, that's where IMSA is, that's where, you know, if not full on electric. Um, and, you know, I think we're going to have shared uh, if not shared grids, we're going to have dedicated classes sometime in the very near future. So we've actually stood up, a, uh, I think the acronym is an EVAC, an EV uh, committee that's focused on not necessarily cars and classing side of things as much as it is, h- how do we best introduce them? And uh, we'll use that lower barrier of access, uh, access theme again um, to invite them in across all programs while at the same time kind of standardizing our approach to safety across all programs so that there's not one rule for uh, track night in America, a different rule for, um, you know, solo versus a different rule for time trials, et cetera. Um, understanding that there's some, some important nuances in, um, in venues that kind of dictate some of those things. And obviously speed and, and uh, you know, an EV running an enduro is, is very different than an EV running a 60 second solo course, right? But uh, I, I think some of that comes down to us just making sure foundationally we're ready to invite those folks in and deliver on an experience. And also, you know, our first uh, first line of, uh, uh, of commitment is to make sure that it's safe. So we've got to make sure that we've got that safety mechanism standardized across all of our programs. And then we've got to make room for them to participate from a classing standpoint in the club. So how does this new world order look to a collector car or to an enthusiast for, for what you guys do, McKeel? Well, you know, we just heard the magic word, right? Which is torque. And what makes a car fun <laughs> is torque, not horsepower. <laughs> just to be clear for the, for the novice, instant torque. And there's no better way to deliver instant torque to the ground than electric motors. And I, I, I find myself baffled now and then by those who view electric cars as the enemy, you know, rather than just as a natural evolution. I love internal combustion cars. I have a lot of them. I will always have a lot of them and I will always be their biggest advocate, but we've also repowered cars for years, you know, as, and this whole idea that they're somehow different, you know, when people made a small block, a big block or turbocharged a car did anything. I mean, what, what honestly, really, what's the difference if, if the object is to create more performance, ultimately in our time, in our living time, the fastest cars are all going to be EVs and you'll, we'll figure out the safety stuff, but you know, Alcohol dragsters are terrifying, you know, if you want to be around something really scary. So um, it's, you know, I think already, you know, it's just living proof that there are certain sorts of driving challenges that have already been proven. No 
internal combustion car will ever come close to an EV. You know, you think of a Pikes Peak already, you know, storied historic event, nothing will ever, no, never, it will never even come close. And even if one comes close, a faster electric car will take it. So my view is embrace it, make it fun. You know, my whole thing is like, I just don't like boring cars. And I think one of the early things that offended a lot of people was not so much whether a car was electric, is you'd see cars like those prototype Google self-driving things out there. And they're this hideous looking jelly bean, <laughs> uh, you know, driving around Palo Alto. Mm. And I'd say that right now, if we had the senior leadership team from Google, like, why'd you make it look so butt ugly and just make it cool, make it higher performance and it'll be better. Now, yeah, yeah t- this is not an autonomous question because that's, that is terrifying and I'm not actually worried about it. It's just, as long as the car is attractive, as long as there are higher per- performance versions of it, um, we, we all win. Like this just, it, we all win. Let's get it safe. But this is just going to be awesome. You know, t- two points, Mike. You know, you mentioned that, you know, uh, an EV on an autocross cars is perfect. Well, we also run a sprint racing format and 30 yeah. minutes, 35 minutes probably is a great time period for yeah. almost every EV out there to do a sprint race. Right. So I think we, the, the club, the SCCA has the perfect format to be able to go into that. And I also remember back in the day when the IMSA, when IMSA brought the hybrids, we had to have special training as corner workers as to, you know, how to touch the cars or don't touch the cars or whatever the case may be. We, we can overcome those obstacles and we have to because that's where the world's going i would also like to remind folks that on thursday at 1 30 central there's a whole segment a whole session on evs and what that means and how the club's looking at that so uh, if you're interested in this more thursday at 1 30 uh, central time and i want to thank abby sure for feeding me some of this stuff in the chat because she's on top of her game there and and all of that so uh, I see one uh, one says there's two Teslas show up at regional time trial events. So it's happening. And the more I think we can get there, the better. So I, I, Tycons, I, just wait until the Tycons come. Uh, there's some <laughs> amazing, uh, there's some amazing cars out there that are turning yeah. to electric. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I said to somebody who is a Ford guy, that the Mustang E, whatever it is, Mach-E, intrigues me. Mach-E, yeah. The yeah. Mach E, and he looked at me like I was like from a different planet. Uh, but, <laughs> hey, but, look, I uh, they I drove one. I mean, fifty thousand dollar electric car, super cool. That's yeah. super cool. Yeah, pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. So I I think we're getting to the point where we're we're starting to wrap up here. Let's get some final thoughts on. I, one of the things I've enjoyed is I've talked with a couple of different folks with, and I saw a slide you put up, Mike, that showed all of the different partners that SECA has that were giving contingency. You know, and if you look, it was Pirelli, it was uh, Goodyear, it was Haggerty, it was all of these different partners. So if anybody's wondering about the the relevance of what we do at the SECA, they should look at that slide and look at the people who who think that we're what we do is relevant and, and has some important stuff going on. But uh, what I want to just kind of as we wrap up, how is the best way, and if I get you to both comment, for... The, the relationship's already amazing between Haggerty and SCCA. How do we make it bigger and better? Well, Mike, what do I got to do? <laughs> uh, well, I think we start oh, with that, that CEO championship drive-off, okay. and, uh, or, or maybe we finish with that. Um, I think a lot of it is uh, is us just really kind of getting uh, better aligned on on uh, on core deliverables. I mean, strategically, I think we're we're aligned. I've already said, you know, I think we're pretty aligned right out of the right out of the gate from a DNA level. It's just trying to make sure um, there's integration wherever it makes sense uh, from a tactical perspective. I mean, I'll give you one example. I, I'm not even sure if, if McKeel has visibility into this, but we're actually um, going to beta a road rally with uh, a portion of the Arizona Haggerty's Driver Club leadership to get uh, some of those uh, collector cars that maybe aren't meant for wheel-to-wheel action. We're going to get them in a, a novelty rally or a TDS rally or something like that. So, I mean, I think a lot of this is just um, outcomes come from focus, right? And being intentional with the focus. And I think we just need to kind of uh, identify a a tight few, uh, vital few that we can get after and really execute the heck out of. Um, We already have a great partnership and great visibility with with Haggerty at a lot of our premier events like uh, the SCCA National Championship runoffs, solo nationals, uh, time trials, 
you know, a lot of times uh, the, the Haggerty style of experience mixes very well with the SCCA style of experience. And, um, you know, that's absolute, hopefully that's a one plus one equals three for both of us. But I think it's just being, um, you know, very specific with regard to what we take on, the amount we take off and take on and just executing uh, it to both of our standards. Yeah, I would build on that and just say this, you know, we, we're a purpose-driven company and the purpose of our company is to save driving and car culture for future generations, period. Everything we do, everything we invest in is to keep people with their hands on the wheel. If they want to compete, if they want to show, if they want to, you know, talk about the history of cars, we support all of that and the businesses around it. You know, one of the things that we didn't mention here, but, you know, one of our, one of our companies is Motorsport Reg, you know, which I know works with a lot of the regions, you know, to help with the registration process. The more regions who work with us, the better we're going to be able to make that product. You know, Brian Gidinelli, I know known by many, hopefully, you know, viewed as a, a great SCCA member. And I know he's super competitive, <laughs> um, but that that's the type of stuff that we want to be able to do and support making it easier to be a member and, and participate in events. Um, I love being able to do more specific events or to create new ones as we have to do it together. And I, I just think that we're really aligned. I think, um, I'd love to think about more we could do, like you said, on social media or whether there are other media things that we could do. We have very large reach when it comes to both you know, digital and social. And I just want to get the message out there that, you know, there's cool stuff happening in the regions at the SCCA. Um, this is, you know, this is the, uh, the godfather of, you know, uh, amateur racing and the path to a lot of professional racing in the United States. And, and we should be championing, championing it to our millions of members out there. And uh, we're just, we are super aligned. So thanks for all the support and we'll keep supporting the, the club and all the regions out there as we can. Really appreciative. Absolutely. Here, here. It's fantastic. I, I'm going to take a second for a shameless plug. I'd love to have you both on the Inside the SCCA podcast. <laughs> uh, we could continue this discussion for, for hours probably, and, and that would be a great venue to do some more. So I uh, also want to take this opportunity. We usually wait till the end of a convention to do this, but thank the staff who's put all this together. This is a Herculean effort, and I've been involved with getting these together for the last couple of weeks, and, and the, the SECA staff who's doing this, Mike, have been just top-notch to deal with. So it's it's been a really amazing experience. want to remind everybody that the Hall of Fame award presentation is at 6.30 Central. It's coming up now in about 35 minutes, so tune into that. Uh, some great people there and, and, and the history of our club. That's where we honor the history of the club. So that's a, a fantastic opportunity for everyone to learn more about the people who helped make us what we are. McKeel, Mike, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you both, Brian. Thank you, McKeel, as well. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Great to see you both and all the best, everyone. Enjoy the rest of your convention. Here, here. Take care, everybody.